Grace Hill, good morning. I'm Evan. I'm just one of the pastors and really thankful to be with you this morning. And listen, I just, I want to just say, I hope that you have felt encouraged so far this morning. I really do. You know, every time I get the privilege to stand up here and to preach from God's word, I'm just reminded of all of the things that God intends to do when we come together and that it's not just simply about hearing from God's word, but it's the collective group of God's people coming together week after week that there's something that God is doing in and through one another gathering. And so I hope this morning, whether you're doing well or whether you are really struggling, that just being able to even sing and hear your brothers and sisters, maybe people you don't even know yet, singing words like nothing but the blood of Jesus is an encouragement to you wherever you find yourself this morning. And listen, this whole thing of coming together as a church, it's always been God's idea. And so just to take God at his word, to come together and to gather and not neglecting to do that is an encouragement for each of us. So, man, that is just my sincere hope for myself and my sincere hope for you this morning as you have just been worshiping the Lord together this morning. And I'm grateful for the text that we're going to be in this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18, and you can turn there in a little bit. But I just kind of want to give kind of a, a guide of where we're going to be this morning as we look at Luke chapter 18. And we've been in this. Guess what part this is? Nick was bringing this up in the service planning meeting. This is part 50. And somebody said, this is almost like Super Bowl, right? Like Super Bowl 50. We have so many of these we've been in. But this is Luke 18. And we find ourselves, as Alan picked up from last week, we find ourselves following Jesus on a journey. And where's Jesus journeying to? Jesus is on a mission. And he's winding his way, literally, he's winding his way all the way to Jerusalem. And so Luke is just picking up, Luke's a doctor, and he's just picking up, as he said at the beginning of his writing, he said, listen, I just wanted to give another account of, of who this Jesus is and what he was doing. And, and so he's following him and just giving an account of this journey. And on this journey, as Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem, and he's almost there now, on this journey, he's bringing along disciples who end up following him and going on this journey with him. And so we just pick up today on that journey with his disciples. And here's, here's the one thing today that I hope that you will see from the text that we will spend time in. Two parables and then one response of Jesus is what we're going to be in today. And this is it. Dependence. Dependence on God. That's the one thing. So we're going to spend time through the text today. And that is the one thing I want you to see over and over again that Jesus is trying to hammer home as he's on this journey. And we keep saying this as he's getting closer and closer, not just to Jerusalem. But what does Jerusalem mean for Jesus? Jerusalem for Jesus, he knows is his sacrificial death on the cross for our sin. He knows that's where it's headed. And so all of his teaching is heading to that place. All right. So I was just thinking about dependence and, you know, I, uh, in college, I played soccer. Some of you might be going, he played soccer? Why, well, that was not very nice, you guys. I did used to be able to run. I know it doesn't look like it. My body is the antithesis of what running would do to a body. I should probably do it more. But I used to play soccer. Stop laughing, please. You guys aren't doing very well. 
I used to play soccer, and so in college, we would have practice at our, the, the field we, we used to have. But this one time, we had a practice that was far away because they were doing some work on our, our field, and so we were all supposed to get to practice, and you know, we had practice every single day, and that's all we did. And so we're all getting rides to this, the field, and so I decide, because listen, I'm going to be straight with you. I thought I was cool. I mean, straight. I really did. And so my buddy, he was like, you want to ride my motorcycle with me? I was like... Have I ever ridden a motorcycle before? No. But was it cool? <laughs> yeah. So I was so pumped to be cool and riding on a motorcycle to soccer practice. And it was really cool because I put on a helmet. I thought I was like really sweet looking with this helmet on. So I put it on before we go. We're going about 25 miles an hour. I don't know. I can't see the speedometer. But anyway, we're moving and going around these whiny turns. And finally, we actually get onto this interstate. Everything's going great until that point. Because again, I've never been on a motorcycle before. So we start going on the interstate, and man, the wind starts picking up, I guess, when you pick up speed and you don't have anything surrounding you. And so I was like, ooh, got a little nervous. And I was, uh, so again, again, this is how cool it was, right? Like, I'm holding on to another man like this. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, so as cool as that was, I was realizing, like, man, I'm, I'm trying to hold on. So I wanted to kind of look. And so, like, I was, like, moving my head this way. And as I lift up my head, the visor, like, flies up at, like, 60 miles an hour. And I freak out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't. And I almost move my hands. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall off the bike. So all this stuff is happening. And the visor's flipped up. And I'm like, and he, like, leans back behind me. He goes, yo, look down. I was like, jeez, okay, you should have told me that before. So I look down, and the visor comes back down. All right, listen, again, I think this is really cool, but dude, inside, I am freaking out. I'm really nervous, but I don't say it. I'm sure he could feel how nervous I was. But anyway, we continue to go out in the interstate, and I'm looking on one side like this. And so then all of a sudden, I look like anybody, and you go, well, there's a person in a car. Okay, normal. And I was like, I didn't wave, obviously, because I'm petrified and squeezing another man very, very tightly. And... Um, I've decided going, okay, so if we're affecting him on the right hand, we must be in the left-hand side. So then I just head down and turn. And weirdly, I'm like, wait, there's another car with another person in it. And I think, wait, how are we in the left lane if there's two cars? And so then I barely get enough to, like, look over the shoulder. And I realize, oh, my friend is, like, riding in the middle of the lane on the interstate, flying in between traffic on the interstate. I'm petrified. I'm, I'm absolutely petrified, and I'm, 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 I'm freaking out. I'm literally like, God, please, this can't be how this ends. This is so stupid. Why do I want to look cool? This is not worth it. This is not worth it. I'm freaking out, and I'm holding on. I'm praying. I'm probably screaming. Guess what he's not doing? He's not listening to me. He's actually probably saying, shut up. Like, you know, and then I was like, finally, somehow we make it across, because I'm still here. Yes, you know the end of the story somewhat. But what happened was I realized I had no control. And I was squeezing and hoping, and there was a simplicity in just going, man, I got nothing to do. What am I going to do? I just got to hold on and grin and bear it. And so finally, we show up to practice, and I'm like, you know, trying to play it off. Like, so cool, man. It was so cool. And listen, the moral of the story, and here's the whole point, don't try to be cool, guys. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I share that story because in some ways, it really does show us from the text today what we're going to see persistence, like I was really begging him, like, hey, man, please slow down. It's like I was yelling at him, please, please, over and over and over again. It was humbling. 
I was really humble, squeezing onto a man that I've never squeezed onto before and never after either again. But uh, listen, it was really humbling because the other part was I realized I had no control. All I could do was persist in holding on and, and the hum- humbling part of going, I'm not in control, he's in control, so I've got to trust him, which I didn't, and I yelled at him, and I was like, never again, et cetera, et cetera. But then the other part of it, it was there was this very sim- simplistic reality at play here, that there was simply just hanging on. That was it. And I think we're going to see three things from Jesus today, three characteristics about dependence that Jesus is going to lay before us and his disciples Those very three things, persistence, humility, and simplicity. And so today, as you look, I want you to go to Luke 18. You can pull out your Bible, and we're going to read through two parables. And the first part of the parable is going to show us persistence. We're going to read about a widow and an unrighteous judge. And the persistence of this widow and what Jesus has to say to us about that parable. And then from that parable, we're going to go into another parable that Jesus says right after that. And that is the one of the Pharisee and a tax collector and the two types of prayer and the condition of their heart, the dependence where their dependence on God comes from. One we'll see is starkly different than the other. And Jesus is going to hammer us with what does it look like to be humble and have humility? And there's just a brief couple of verses we'll hit at the very end. And it's going to be talking about how children are coming to him. And Jesus is going to press to his disciples and to you and me this morning, the simplicity of what it means to be dependent on God. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna start in Luke 18, but I really wanna use another text to springboard off into this, Grace Hill. And as I was studying this text this week, this was what just kept coming over and over again to me from the Lord I want to share it with you. And for some of you, this is a very familiar text, but I think it springboards into what Jesus is trying to say to you and to me today in these parables, okay? Let me read this text. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it. It's actually, I think, my favorite verse, almost my favorite verse in the entire scriptures. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And church, Grace Hill, I want to spring into what Jesus says from his very words in the book of Matthew to us, because that, I think, is the focal point of where Jesus is coming from. Because listen, before we understand what Jesus wants us to know about dependence on him, we have to know Jesus' very heart. And brother, sister, friend today, whether you call yourself a believer or not, the whole book of the Bible is about a God whose heart is for his people. The prerequisite to coming to God and think about the, all the other religions or anything else you know, that you have to do something. You have to bring gold. You have to have some sort of stature. You have to do some sort of thing. And you know what Jesus' prerequisite is for us? It's to be banged up. It's to be anxious. It's to be afraid. It's to be overburdened, to be weary. Listen, the good news of the gospel is that we are busted up people. And Jesus is saying, please, in that place, come to me. Jesus is inviting you and me. That is the heart of God. So with that, I just wanted to say, listen, that's why at this church, we want to be a safe place. 
because Jesus' very heart is safe for those who are banged up, broken, and bruised. That's his prerequisite to say, if you are that way, come to me. And guess what? Guess what I'm going to give you at the great exchanges? I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you myself. And then I'm going to help patch you up and bandage you up and put you with a bunch of people who are coming for me as well and recognize I'm going to do the same thing for them. That's the heart of God. And that's the longing that we have as a church to model God's love like that. And so this is where Jesus can come and say, listen, dependence on me comes from my very heart for you. And so I just wanted to point that out. I think the Lord was really kind to me, at least reminding me of that. That is where this all comes from. So we are dependent on a God who deeply loves and cares for us and sees us right where we're at in the middle of the sin that we're in. And some of us here today are in the middle of something and we're ashamed of that. And Jesus is saying, Come to me. Come to me. Depend on me. Come on. Come to me. So here's the question I want to talk about. And we're going to see this in the text in Luke 18. So you can come there now as we open up that part of the text. And here's the question we're going to see for us today. Jesus is looking for people who are looking for him. In other words, he's going to say through all of these things is, 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 Am I going to find a people who are completely dependent on me? Will I find faith? That is actually Jesus' very words. Will I find faith? Will I find dependence? Let's read 18 verses 1 through 8 together. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now let's just stop there and just like evaluate what we've just read together. What is Jesus's What's Jesus saying here? There's two characters we see, right? We see a widow and a judge. And what's this widow like? She's in desperate need. Culturally at that time, that was one of the lowest places you could be, a widow. She might not have even been old because people got married so young, 13, 14. This may have been a young woman, but she had nobody. The son, if she had one, would have been somewhat obligated to care for, but that didn't always happen. So here you see this person who's in desperate need, and then we see the second character. And who's she going to in her desperate need? We see this picture of an unrighteous judge. Now, listen to the words, right, that's used to describe, that Jesus is using to describe this unrighteous judge. He is saying, listen, these are his words. He's saying, I neither fear God nor respect man. Now, we've known people like this. We've known some who don't respect men, but maybe respect God, potentially. Weird, but that can happen. But when you put those two together, neither respecting man nor respecting God, that's a, that's a dangerous person. I think we see that today even with what's happening in Ukraine. We see someone who cares not for life, cares not for what a God thinks about some actions either. 
It's a dangerous person. This is who the widow's going to. And then Jesus is going to stop and contrast this. So let's keep walking through this. What, so what's the widow have? She's, she's in need. She's like, hey, I need justice. Please give me justice against my adversary. I mean, the text doesn't tell us what specifically is going on here. We just know that there is a deep, deep need. And some of the scholars, when they look at this, they would say, hey, listen, this is actually Jesus making an eschatological view of justice and salvation. She's begging for deliverance from something. Now, she may have needed money. She may have needed something, right? Something may have happened, but she is pleading to this judge who does not care about her at all. And yet we keep going. And what changes in this man who respects not God nor men? Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. Like, I actually think this is really funny. He doesn't care about what she thinks of him. He doesn't care about God. And yet this word in the Greek, the word literally means to beat down. Like this widow is going to beat him down. Like physically, I don't think that's the text here, but figuratively it could be like he's worried she might like give him a bad reputation or that she's going to hurt him physically. I think it's hysterical. This lowly person and all of a sudden he changes And so then he gives her what she asked for. And the Lord says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? Those people he's invited to come to him? Who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, Jesus' words, he says, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Here's Here's the focal point of the whole thing this morning. Jesus is saying this. So two things real quick. Jesus is contrasting this widow. So you and I are supposed to get something very prescriptive from this. It's like, listen, persist in prayer. He says at the very beginning, and don't lose heart, which means, man, there's going to be a delay. There's going to be things in our life. Not many of us have, or many of us have known places where we've been praying for a long time and we don't think God has changed much, but he's saying, look, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. I will come. Now, he has a salvific point in mind, but he also is saying, listen, I will give deliverance and justice in cases as well. So come and pray to me. But it's almost like Jesus then immediately goes, well, wait, but hey, hey, the bigger question isn't actually if I answer the prayer. I will, and I will do that. The question Jesus then poses to his disciples and to you and me is, well, I will answer that. that that's what I'm, I'm headed to the cross, guys. Remember, that's my journey. So my question is, what, what will I find when I come back? Alan preached last week, the coming of the kingdom. And Jesus is really getting very specific for you and me. Grace, so this is for you and me today. He, well, what will he find in us? Will he find faith? Will he find us looking for him? Do not lose heart. Pray continually. Look for me. Depend on me. Persistence. God's heart for us is that we would be completely dependent on him. Will God find a faith in us that is characterized by the persistence we see described of this widow who has nowhere else to go. I think of myself on the back of that motorcycle. 
What else am I going to do? I, I have to persist in hanging on with all I've got. Because that's all I got. And Jesus is displaying for us and describing for us a posture of our own hearts of going, do you persist in trusting me and looking to me and depending on me? I'm coming back. I will right all wrongs one day. They will all be answered in me. I will heal you. I will wipe away those tears. I will do all of those things and make the new. My question, though, is this. Are you looking for me? And that is a haunting question. Are we begging God to come back? Are we begging God over and over again as a widow? And is Jesus not even saying, listen, contrast to the unrighteous judge who I just said, come to me, all of you who are busted up. He's, that's his heart. Are we taking that invitation, Grace Hill? The next text that we get to is in verse 9. And in verse 9, we want to read about the Pharisee and the tax collector. So we'll read that together. He told this parable also to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And here's the story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Jesus has been hammering on the distinction between the religious people of the day, those who thought they knew God and knew God's ways versus those who were looked down upon. And he consistently brings this up, and here he is again, setting that up, this contrast. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. This one right here. I fast twice a week. Now, at that time, what's significant about that? Old Testament law would have said, well, do it once on the Day of Atonement. Here's this Pharisee going above and beyond the law. Look at me, I'm going above and beyond. I have got it down. So he's bragging, right? That's what he's saying. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Again, 10% was the Old Testament uh, standard. And he's going, I give more than I give of everything that I even eat. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus' words, listen, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What is Jesus hitting on again about dependence? It's dependence. Over and over again, the persistence begets a faith that is dependent on God and the exaltation of oneself of saying, God, I know why you accept me is arrogance and contrast that with a humility that shows what? Humility shows this utter dependence on God for the tax collector wouldn't even look up. Wouldn't even look up. Friends, the application here, unfortunately, at least for myself, and I, I would just humbly ask you to consider this, is I read this often, and I read it this week, and I go, man, that tax collector's jacked up. And yet, in the quietness of my heart over and over again, I realized, oh, 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 ev, 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 like, do you know how you spoke? Do you know what you thought in your own heart or head this week about someone else? About even someone in the church, about something that might be going on? 
Jesus cuts to the quip of the heart and he says, listen, are my disciples more like the tax collector or more like the Pharisees? And the question for me was this one where I go, man, there's so many times I'm not even aware of how independent I feel because I know that I'm good with God. And it was humbling. It's humbling today to stand before you reading this kind of a text because it shows to me the areas of where I am not dependent on God. And listen, I think there's something really important here for us to think through about worship. Humility. This humility permeate our worship of God. Like when we sing, we don't feel like doing these things, right? Like I think there's this spot, like I know I can come in here and sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. And listen, I'm not trying to be too hard on any one of us, much less myself, but I mean, there can be times the posture of my heart is not one of the tax collector who can barely look to God. I can think, man, I'm, I'm doing all right. And yet God may be really far from being fully dependent, me being fully dependent on him. Do I look down on other people that come in? Do I look down at the homeless person that smells? Are they, do I, would I be welcoming them in or would I kind of be like tilting my head? I mean, like, listen, this gets down into every single nook and cranny of my life and the way I think about this and this God who I'm so thankful that he invites the banged up to come in and is going, man, there's so much arrogance in my own heart often that I have to look at a text like this and slow down and just go, man, what would it look like for me to just put myself in a posture of the tax collector? Dependence on God. True dependence on God is displayed by humility because we recognize how far from God we really are and how far we would be unless he came for us, not because we came to him, not because we tithe our money, not because we fast, not because we do, not because we serve, not because we do anything. All of those are evidences of those things, but those are not the means. And I think Jesus is hammering home the humility of this is that he's looking for in the hearts of people as he's heading to the cross. Remember, this is where he's going. And he's saying, listen, if you wanna follow me on this, listen, this is what it means to be my, my followers. People who are utterly dependent on me, begging like the widow, Humble like the tax collector, knowing there is no way on God's green earth that I should ever be near you, and yet you call me even in other places friend. Is our worship of God characterized by humility? Would God find a faith in you that is humble? I want to read the last section of this text this morning that we have together in verses 15 through 17. So small and so interesting. Why is this here? Why does Luke put this account? And so he just finishes that parable of the, the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee. And then he says, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when he, disciples saw it, they rebuked them. That's a strong word. The rebuking them so that you get this picture that Jesus is doing these teachings with all these disciples and all these people and all of a sudden these people are starting to bring them infants. Just like Jesus was being, um, people were bringing people to Jesus to be healed. Now people are starting to bring infants because they just wanted a blessing. Like rabbis and teachers would come and like, hey, would you just give a blessing? So you just see people flocking to Jesus now and his disciples like stand up and they go, no, no, what are you doing? He's got way too much stuff going on. No, 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 no. 
And it's a harsh thing. This is a rebuke. And when Jesus' disciples saw that they, were, that they rebuked them, but Jesus called to them. I can imagine this. Jesus must have been really busy. A lot of people come along. this clamor, and all of a sudden he's seen this going in. He probably looks a little bit far off. He goes, oh, oh, hey, hey, hey. Hey. Brothers, let the children come to me. Imagine that moment. Someone super important, President Biden or anybody, like all there, you have all these people, and all of a sudden these children coming up to this really important person. People be, he's really, really busy. And all of a sudden, hey, whoa, 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 he stops and he pays attention and he notices and he says, Hey, hey, Jesus himself, the creator of heaven and earth, goes, I see them. Whoa, hey, let hey, let them come to me. Listen to his words. Do not hinder them. It's amazing what Jesus says. To such belongs the kingdom of God. To these infants, to these children, what, what are they, what? What is he saying? Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child cannot enter into it. Two things. First, Jesus is clearly, clearly, undeniably showing that children are unbelievably important to him. We talk about sanctity of life. We talk about all this stuff. Man, Jesus is fiercely for children. He loves them. He's not too busy for them. Man, as a dad, I need to model that. That needs to be sinking into my own head. I can get man, kids. I'm really, really busy instead of just getting down and being with them, man. It's really convicting for me. And Jesus himself, so busy. And Jesus is going to die. And he's going, listen, I've got all the time for these children. Bring them to me. That's one thing. And the second thing he does at the same time is he says, listen, dependence on me looks like them. What does he say? He says something very stark. Unless you enter the kingdom of God like what? Like a child? Like an infant? You won't enter? I thought it was by grace through faith alone. Yeah, it is. And guess what that looks like? A simplistic pursuit and coming to Jesus just like a child would to their parent. And just like Jesus is modeling that, no, bring them to me. I am not too busy. I am not thrown off by them. I am not annoyed. I have all the time for them. And we are supposed to look like that. So Jesus is saying to us and his disciples, who he's rebuking in this moment, he's saying, listen, guys, you think you got to figure it out? Actually, you need to be more like them. And what does that mean, man? There's a simplistic reality of coming to Jesus. It's not complex. There's complexity to our faith, but it is not complex to come to Jesus. It's simple. And man, sometimes, right, we as Christians or people who've been walking with Jesus for a long time can put all these trappings around it and think we've got to like get all the theological mumbo jumbo right. And it's really good and right and necessary. But Jesus is going, man, I am aiming at your heart. Are you willing to simply come to me out of utter dependence just like a child? And we all know what that's like. We all know what that feels like to be longing for our parents, whether we have good ones or bad ones. It's in us to long for them to care for us because you know what? We need it. And I love, as we continue, just close our time here this morning. I want to draw attention to this thing. 
All of this is aiming at the heart of Jesus for his people. Those three things, persistence like the widow, I need you, you're all I've got. Humility, not comparison. Oh God, how in the world? I am so far gone and yet you would consider me. I, I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. So the posture of my heart is one of utter, utter gratitude towards God. And we have a life that looks like one of gratitude towards others as well. And the simplicity. Come. Come to him. Jesus' invitation all the time never ends is this. Come to me, all who are heavy and all who are weary, all who are like children, all who are need of humility and, 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 and confession of where you're struggling. Come to me. And so, friends, I just want to close with this question. It's the one that Jesus ends the time, the parable with the widow. I see what you need. I see each of you. I know where you're at, Ev. I will take care of everything. That's what the cross is about to do for you and you and you and me and every single person who's put their faith and trust in the gospel that Jesus' life and death has earned for you and me. I'm taking care of you. Endure, because I know it's hard right now. I know. Well, Will I find faith in you? Are you looking for me, Jesus says? So this is the question. Are you looking for him? And is your looking characterized by those three characteristics we've seen? Are you persistent even in your prayer? Where are areas of arrogance in your life? Where are those things? Ask God to show them to you. <laughs> he will show them to you. And listen, it's simple. It's not hard. Our faith, yes, there's complexities to our faith into life. Absolutely, that's not what I'm saying. But Jesus is saying, no, but in the midst of that, it is simple to come to me like a child. How hard is that for some of us? It's really hard. It's again admitting we're weak and dependent. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. So I want us to take a time as the band's here and we're gonna respond just to the Lord in this because I hope this is just a time for reflection for us and Jesus' question to us is what will he find? What will he find in you and me when he comes back? If he comes today, what will he find? You have that moment now. Alan preached last week on the coming of the kingdom. Man, it, it is coming. It's a warning for them. It's terrifying for some. And it's a balm for others. It's not to intimidate. His, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. The heart that welcomes children to the most important person on, in the universe that even made the universe, that's crazy. He's calling to you and me today. Say, where are you? Are you looking for me? I just want you to take a few moments in the quietness of your heart. I just want us one just to confess. Confess where we're not dependent on God. Just confess, where is that?
If you're struggling to find that, ask him, Lord, show me where I might not be fully dependent on you. Please do that, God. And as you do that, as you reflect on that, think of the assurance that we get in the simplicity of coming to him and asking for him to conf- as we confess that he's faithful to forgive. That we have the assurance that as we come to him, he won't be harsh with us. Because the very heart of God is that he longs for us to come to him because we're banged up and messed up and sinful. So what are you waiting for, friend? Nothing, nothing is hidden from God in you. And that's not to shame any of us. It's to be an encouragement. He's waiting on us. Shame doesn't get the last word in the, with the gospel. Jesus took that to the cross for you and for me. It should be assurance to come to him and confess anything. The last thing I just want to leave us with as we just spend a few moments confessing and being reminded of the assurance of that confession, wherever we find we're not dependent on God, where we're not looking for him. As you hear this over and over again, this is what the church is for. This is what we're here to do, is to be together in this place to encourage one another. God didn't leave us alone. And that's really good news. We're not leaving each other We're not embarrassed with sin. And maybe there's someone here who doesn't know who Jesus is and is kind of wondering, how does all this work? And I hope if you've heard anything from Jesus' very words, and this is you and you're wrestling with, do I even believe in Jesus and the claims of Jesus that, that he is who he says he is, is just encourage you in a very simple way. So much of our lives are complicated. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I just want to offer you, I think Jesus' offer is far more compelling and it's far more simple. And my question for you is if Jesus isn't the person you're looking for, who are you looking for and what hope is that giving you? How's that working out for you? And that's not to mock you. That's not to be condescending. It's a genuine question because the offer of the gospel is that there's a, God who has made you. This God who's calling people as he's heading to be nailed to a cross and to die brutal death for something he didn't deserve, but he did that for you and for your burdens, for your struggles and for your shame. That's the offer of the gospel to you today. And the question is, will will you take that? Would you put your faith and trust the way a child would in their parent to care for them, to nurse them, to to keep them safe and warm and do anything they could? That that, that, that is the heart of Jesus for you who may not know him yet. And my, my question is just simply, would you consider, would you put your faith in that God who loves you?
Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. And Lord, it's, it's really, in some ways, just a really simple text that we were in today. And, and yet there's so many things, implications for, for our lives. And, and God, I, I just simply pray, Lord, that you would just give us the, the faith and the humility to just come to you and confess where we don't depend on you. God, I, I pray that you'd give us the humility to, to confess that to you, knowing that, Lord, you want to, to, to bring us into the fullness of life with you and that even though we get banged up and we struggle and sin will consistently be something we wrestle with until you come back. But that, God, that you are doing a work in the midst of that and that you are stronger than that, that you have conquered sin and death and that we're no longer slaves to sin. But, Father, we can now be slaves to righteousness. And, and Father, we can be encouraged by that, by being together. And, Lord, there's nothing that is hidden from you. And yet you still say that you love us. And so, Father, I pray for my own heart and for the heart of these who are listening to this, your word today. God, would you mark us by people and help us to be dependent on you? Oh, God, please help us to do that. And, Father, would we be encouraged by others who are seeking the same thing to be dependent on you? Ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.